Well, here we are. It's time for another Tech 37, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Rob Boyd. I'm so excited. Today, we are covering a topic that you may know we have covered before, but we're covering it in a different way because there's been so much movement, so much activity. There's a lot that we need to accomplish. I feel like my music's a little bit loud behind me there. I'm going to I'm just going to take a risk and bring it down while we're doing it live. We're talking about AI ops. We're also talking about Cisco's full stack observability and where these things uh, are complement each other, where they differ. And, and all those things are important to understand because customers have been fascinated with the capabilities that have been enabled through these technologies. None of this is new, but what you can do with it continues to get better and better. We're gonna make sure that we all understand that and that we know where one will work for us and where one may not. Uh, either way, we get a chance to ask some hard questions because we've got people from Worldwide Technology and Cisco App Dynamics, but it's a team we've worked with before on Tech 37, so I'm excited to have them back. So with that, let's get on with the show, shall we? Something about going live always makes my part pick up or something, guys. And I start speaking too fast, almost like the oxygen's being drained out of my room here and I'm gasping. Either way, so excited to have you guys back because you're you're a very comfortable, you're a very comfortable set of experts for me. For me. And so I appreciate you and uh, and excited that we get to revisit this again. And I would start with introductions because Tanner, this is well, this is nowhere near your first rodeo, but certainly not even with me. You and I have done this a number of different times. Tell us who you are in case anybody is just not familiar with you, though. Certainly. It's a pleasure to be here again, Rob. My name is Tanner Bechtel. I'm the Director of AI Ops for Worldwide Technology. Um, and as always, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for everybody who's tuned in again uh, throughout the series of uh, the Tech 37s we've focused on in AI Ops. So pleasure to be here, Rob. You've done a lot of good work, and but I know you're not doing it alone. Um, one person who's been on here before talking about a lot of these same things our tech expert in this area. Arsalan, could you introduce yourself? Tell us what you've been up to. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Arsalan Lari, and I'm the uh, technical solutions architect uh, for the AAPS practice, and I lead the R&D team uh, for AAPS at WWT. So pleasure being here again, Rob. And you're too, you're too humble. Oh, well, humble is not the right word, but you're polite, and I'm not professional enough not to mention it, but just so everybody knows, the reason why your voice may not sound as good as it normally does um, is because you're not feeling well. You've just got a normal cold going on. You're fighting through that. You do sound better than you did a last the, over the last couple of days. So I think you're headed in the right direction. Um, but another person who's been with us before, even though he's not with Worldwide Technology, very, very important to this conversation, especially today, uh, Ben Haddix. Ben, tell us what you do and, and what we can expect out of you. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Rob. Appreciate being here again. And thank you, Tanner and Arsalan, uh, for allowing me to be a part of this again. But Ben Haddix, I'm with uh, AppDynamics, been here for five years, and I'm leading the FSO charge with our partners uh, over on the Cisco side. Perfect, perfect. Well, and that's the thing, right? So it's in the title, but Cisco has been, um, how do you say it? How, what's the right way to say this? Cisco has really been pushing the FSO message. And... Uh, and there's a lot of good reasons for that. There are some fantastic ways to get things done uh, from a visibility, from a control perspective, from a just being able to control your operation in a different way, which can sound very similar, Tanner, to AI ops uh, in many ways. And I'm, I'm, I was only throwing a couple of words out there, but let's start with AI ops and just make sure we understand that. That Because when I say AI ops, I'm really talking worldwide technology and a set of capabilities that I think it's fair to say that you and your team have pioneered and really been pushing on for, for a number of years, because it was 2020, I think, when we first talked about it, at least on my platform. But tell us more about AI. Right. What's important to understand? 
Yeah. So AI ops has always been a very nebulous concept, right? We've done our best, even as we started to, to go down this path a couple of years ago, figuring out what that term means is a, is a sizable battle in itself. And I think it is for our customers and it is for our field teams and, and our engineering teams. Where we began our journey is really by creating interoperability to create action. We started pulling a lot of the, the tools that measure metrics. Obviously, AppDynamics has served a big part of that in terms of understanding how the big funnel that is IT operations, you know, if you think about the whole data center, at the termination point is always an application, a customer. You know, whether you're depositing a check or you're booking a flight or you're checking your PTO balance, all of that IT structure is really driving an experience at the end. So when we began our journey in AI ops, what we started doing is really pulling together the things that can tell us about what's happening uh, in terms of performance and the tools and levers that we can use to solve performance problems, whether that's an outage or a slowdown or latency or anything that happens that disrupts that end user engagement. So if we go back to the beginning, so the big question right now is, is FSO AI ops? Does FSO replace AI ops? You know, is it a branded version of AI ops? If you back away from it, what we started doing is at the beginning is really pulling all of this tooling and data together to see. You know, our goal was to observe at the beginning. Uh, where that led us is to really start to create interoperability to gain insight, correlate it, and start to understand it, and then really start to take action on it. You know, how do we start to reach business objectives? by pulling this data together and applying machine learning and AI to it. Um, and what Cisco has done, one, they've been, obviously Ben's been here since the get-go. Uh, they have been a stalwart, incredibly brilliant partner in this space, both from bringing the right tools to the table, but also, which leads us into FSO, is taking scalable innovation out of an R&D environment like we built it and turning that into something that we can take to market. So if you think about AI ops and FSO. FSO is a tool set that allows us to come to market very, very fast and enable an AI ops environment for our customer. So I'm sure Ben will go through the detail as to what it entails, but what Cisco did for us is really to pull back a lot of our core componentry that we were, that we were integrating um, at a bespoke level, you know, at a, at a very engineering based level, both in our R&D environment uh, in the worldwide technology ATC, but uh, also at the customer site. So if you think about from the time you want to move into AI ops until the point where you can actually see a return on your investment and an impact to your operation, that timeline was pretty, was pretty sizable, you know, and it didn't have to be long, but it certainly wasn't simple. It was the pulling together of performance monitoring on the application and network performance monitoring and visibility and workload management, you know, across a hybrid environment. Um, and so what Cisco was able to do is really learn from that, apply their own knowledge of the space and their own product expertise and dynamically build uh, an integrated tool set that allows us to really set down a pretty big footprint of the tools that we were using in our architecture. And so that serves to be an enormous catalyst for us to be able to go into a customer environment focus our expertise on the objective gathering, you know, really understand everybody wants to plug everything in and make it work. But at the end of the day, technology being a means to an end for a business, it allows us at Worldwide to focus on that objective to really start to reach 
core valuable business specific objectives, not just IT operations objectives, yeah. very, very fast by pulling in the FSO platform and really getting a head start, kind of a jump start on that process. Well, there's a couple of things there you mentioned around action, uh, being able to, you know, uh, data that we can take action on. Uh, and that implies that data is presented in a certain way. It's, it's, it's not usually the raw data. And a lot of the tools that we talk about here can certainly do that. But one of the big differences I feel like is, is usually the fact that I think of worldwide technology as someone who's always focused on living with the results that the customer has asked them for. And, and so there's a, there's a long-term partnership you guys have always had with your customers. And it's not that Cisco doesn't have that partnership. And I'm a huge Cisco fan of of course, I don't think it's any secret, uh, but I do feel like that there's more of a technology focus. And it's, so there is a marriage there that becomes important. And so there are two very positive uh, things happening yeah. here. And as you're saying, it, it sounds kind of like an endorsement. Uh, but Arsalan, before I comment too much further, I don't want to paint you into a corner. What are your thoughts about what Tanner's saying there? What's important? And we'll get to, to the FSO part in a second, but what's important for you from an AIOps perspective? I think getting the full story uh, to what Tanner said, right? Like your end result is what happens in the application, but what happens in the back end? What's the full story? What's happening when your infrastructure dies down? But what's the underlying issue that ties into it? So that that's what I look at. Is like, hey, what's the full story? Is it really piece A or is it piece B or is it piece C or is it all tied in together? What's that really look like? Yeah, and, and so making Rob, sense of that. Yeah, Tanner, good. Yeah, I was going to say one of the things I've used this example before, and I think it I think it plays well into this. If you think about the symbiotic relationship between Cisco and Worldwide, we have been partners for a very, very long time for a lot of really good reasons. We have always played equal parts of this symbiosis, right? Right. I was explaining how FSO and AI ops fit together, how they're relative. And the example I used was a, a race car and a race team you can buy the most advanced vehicle on the planet, right? You can buy a McLaren F1 and set it in your driveway and you're not going to win Monaco Grand Prix, right? You need a team that knows what to do with that instrument. Now, neither of those two individual parts win races alone, right? but together we're able to take the, the technology, the advanced technology, the vehicle that is the, the Cisco F1 and put it to work. Because we understand the customer, we do have deep, in-depth relationships with our customers, and we understand how they work together, and we understand how to really translate advanced technology in this space into really objectively solving major business problems with it. So the partnership works really well together. It also gives us, frankly, you know, we're all big Cisco partners on this call, but it gives us the ability to look outside of a core envelope. And start to say, what else is there? You know, maybe maybe we can utilize these tools, but also bring in metrics from other outside tools or other outside measurement platforms that allow us to actually instrument a broad, unique AI ops environment utilizing Cisco's FSO platform and other tools that they use in that customer space. Okay. Well, I want to come back to a couple of different details there. And um, but Ben, I don't want you to have to sit there. Quiet for too long. Uh, ignore AI ops for just a moment. Uh, even though you've been deeply involved from every experience I've had with you uh, working with worldwide technology on this, uh, but you know FSO seems like it, it seems like everybody's got a blog out. They've got videos out, and there's a lot of great information. And a lot of it is is based on one of the big technology course. App Dynamics is very core 
to surfacing mm-hmm. a lot of that data. But what's important to understand? How do you describe FSO uh, from your perspective when you're when you're speaking and maybe worldwide's not even in the room at that moment? What's important for you to, as you would put it? Uh, I define FSO um, the way we look at it at Cisco is uh, I'd say full stack observability without business context is just monitoring. So if you want to do true full stack observability, I, t- I talk about you got to go to the eighth layer, which everybody always looks at me kind of funny when I first say that, because you think of the OSI stack and you go one through seven and hitting all of that and full stack observability, you need to get to layer eight, which is the business itself. I thought eight is political good. is what I always thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think we use eight for whatever we need, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Bureaucracy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it's being able to tie all that to the business. So if you if you can't tie everything to the business, you're just monitoring. And what we're trying to do is move uh, IT out of that expense column over into a, a strategic investment for the business. And especially when you're talking about over the past two years where the coronavirus has really forced a lot of companies into this idea of having to expand into the cloud, looking at remote workforces, and it's really accelerated kind of the business strategies folks are doing. If you can't tie what you're doing in the IT infrastructure and with your applications to that business strategy, then you're missing the mark in a lot of ways. And a lot of companies are finding as they migrate to the cloud, their budgets are just going over, being overwhelmed, their IT infrastructure and what they're trying to do is being overwhelmed. And it's that aspect of how do you tie it to the business? And that's the key of FSO. It's correlating it all together, but tying it to business context. Yeah, and and Tanner, you mentioned objectives and talking about uh, defining customer objectives. And I imagine, I mean, you've been all over this mountain that you've built in in terms of having to explain to customers, this is what we're looking at. And and my first reaction, just talking back to AIOps, because I think what becomes clear here is that FSO is, is very much... Uh, a, refi- a continually refined engine that is serving a lot of what you have created with with AI ops, but but it can also sound like if I just look at what Cisco does FSO wise, it feels like a bunch of technologies um, that do a lot of different things, and I can be overwhelming. But you never start with the technology. It sounds like you're starting probably. Are you working backward from customer objectives? I wonder if you can give me some examples of where this kind of stuff has really made it in the real world, and uh, and what what the customer action has been because obviously it's been on the ground for quite a while. Yeah, so it's the your your observation is correct, right? We want to start, and it's the same place we found ourselves. AI ops means a lot of things to a lot of people. As a definition, from my own perspective, I always say it's it's the isolation of high value decision making. That's it, and that that decision making can be automated. It can be you know unique. It can be presented back to the right person. It always starts though with the business. We have spent a lot of years. I'm guilty of it as an engineer, as is most of or most of us, right? That technology is an IT project. The deployment is always an IT project. It's this thing that we go out and we do, and we want to make it faster. We want to make our monitoring faster. We want people say they want single panes of glass. Nobody wants a single pane of glass. That's a giant mess. You know, you don't want to watch your house burn down. You want to take action. You want to prevent it from burning down. So ultimately, you don't just want to see things. You want to prevent things and you want to create context and you want to present back to someone whose job it may be to monitor security breaches. Now, to that person, application performance may not be important, but application context becomes very important. So I can now understand the depth of where things are happening. I can simplify and eliminate the noise from the signal. 
and I can let people start to make very smart, very fast decisions. The way it works now, we still look at our data center and our IT operation in these columns. You know, we look at it, we talked about seven layers, right? The network, the application, you know, the bare metal, the... Yeah, we're all still looking at it. And I don't mean that's and that's not a critique. It's just a reality. IT yeah. operations as a big giant envelope is always seen as a cost center. But the crazy part is that as we as businesses complexify and become more digital, and I even feel like that's colloquial, all businesses are digital, but as they become more reliant on their operation and their brand on their tools, their tech tools then interoperability and context and ultimately automation, you know, bonded together with machine learning or AI becomes critical because there's no way on earth. Right now, there is one example that I love that showcases the difference between integration and AI ops. So a lot of people say, well, it sounds like we're just throwing, pulling together tools and we're creating unique single dashboards and such. And And I always say, no, it's very different because understanding the objective makes the AI ops architecture and the discipline work. So what he did, this was a gentleman that I had spoken with for a long time. You know, I had, I had been brought in by our, our client team a few times to visit with them. And when I had first talked to them, they were going down this path of integration. They were moving and tying a lot of their reporting and monitoring tools into their CMDB. And so I caught up with him like three or four months later and I said, how's it going? You know, and he's like, hey, it's going great. We got all these, they listed off all these different security monitoring, network monitoring tools that they integrated into their ticketing system. And I said, so what was the result? He said, now when we have a P1 incident, I just get 4,000 tickets in the CMDB instead of 4,000 tickets all over the IT operations. He said, so I really just moved one problem from one place to another. He said, we still can't get to the, that was a root cause, you know, we still can't figure out what's going on. So it, the objective around AI ops is imperative. FSO is a core part of getting to that objective by not tying up a lot of our expertise in this space around the integration of core tools. It allows us to really accelerate the process of focusing on objective. So instead of us having to build the race car before we can go to a race or be competitive, we're getting this, you know, the majority of it delivered. We may have to fit the right tires for the right course. We may have to adjust things for windage and turns, et cetera. But that's our job. That's where, that's where we're experts, right? And so we're now transitioning and evolving our business around really the consultative aspect of, of what AI ops is. I just spoke on this at uh, um, a big WWT event we did uh, for the PGA. We hosted a golf tournament and part of that was a, an advisory council. So it was a really intimate conversation between, you know, each of our divisional leaders and our clients. And um, one of the gentlemen there was asking me, he's, he said, well, what's your, you know, what's your point of advice on starting a project like this? And I told him, I said, don't delegate it. You know, don't delegate AI ops. It's not an IT project. It's a, it's a, it's a discipline of the business that requires visibility to the objective. And once you understand that objective, that's where we come in. There's, yeah. you know, there's lots of, this is not a worldwide commercial, although it technically yes, kind of is, but <laughs> our goal is ultimately to translate that business objective into the correct execution and utilize the right tools to reach that objective. And so we can flip. And Ben, I think you said this, 
our goal and our experience in this space, and every every customer of ours has been very different, but we've been able to rotate IT cost and kind of where you know most most executives outside of the IT organization look into IT operations as a cost center. Everybody's goal is always to reduce the cost. How do we reduce the cost of what we spend in the cloud? How do we reduce the cost of per user for whatever? What we've been able to do is dynamically shift that perspective into saying IT operations is a means of creating a solution center to reach objectives by creating interoperability and context and visibility and rapidly accelerating both solving problems, but also using machine learning and correlated AI to prevent them. Yeah. You know, we can we can get to the point of preventing outages because we now have so much context. We can recognize their signature as they come. We can look around the house and realize that looks just like where we had a fire in a house that looked just like this. So we're going to solve that now instead of waiting for an issue to solve. Yeah, you're talking about so a system. It, I think I've seen you guys do this and talk about the maturity of AI ops in terms of, mm-hmm. of first, you know, there's there's maybe some simplified data gathering and it's still potentially even siloed. And those are all good moves to make. And what really mm-hmm. stood out to me when I looked at this, the way worldwide technology looks at it is you don't just, I used to think, well, the key is is proactive response. And what I realized after working with you that it's beyond proactive, it's predictive. And I like that distinction because that is a mature level of using your technology uh, to start doing things that you can't do as a human because we're all moving at a speed. The businesses are evolving too fast and things are coming at us too much that we need the assistance of the technology to do this. I I wanna throw a rebuttal type of thing. Ben, don't take this the wrong way, but when I look at all the technologies that that are, when I look at the technologies, because I always kind of where I go back to, even though I know we're objective focused, and but FSO, it's got FD, there's Thousand Eyes, there's a bunch of others, and uh, Cisco has has made quite a few changes so that these things integrate more smoothly. Hopefully we'll get Tanner back here in just a second. what is, did you ever hear from customers, you present this to me, go, oh, you're just trying to choke me with uh, FSO being a way to sell me a bunch of different technologies. Could you, could you push back on me a little bit with that one and tell me, you know, what's the right way to introduce this where it doesn't just feel like an overwhelming, let me throw a bunch of umbrella technologies at you. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the thing I always push back with is if, if that's the case, I will, I will take all my products and go home and I will give you everything free. I will give you everything free if you can name one IT product that will meet every single IT need that you have to run yeah, your business. Yeah. yeah it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. And so in order to do this, you've got to bring together the right data from the right sources in order to, again, to meet those business objectives. And so that's what we've done with FSO. We, um, we bundled it together. There are seven use cases that we started with. We're expanding this out constantly, but these seven use cases are all business-oriented, uh, business-driven, and it's by taking specific data and correlating it together to meet those use cases. And that's what we're doing with FSO. And then with the AI ops, what Worldwide's been able to do is expand on that and add in more use cases and add in other things that make uh, it relevant to what the client is trying to do, what their business strategies are doing. And it becomes something that no longer is just a, 
we're going to drop a product in here that you may use 20% of it, you may use 30%, it may meet this need. It's an ecosystem that is solving, uh, that's unique to the client. It's unique to their business needs and their business objectives. And so when they push back on that, that's what I come with is, it's it's not about just getting different products. It's about getting the right data together that support what you're trying to do as a business. Which I feel like involves asking a lot of questions and having a relationship with the customer uh, that for many customers, Cisco certainly does have in-depth knowledge, but I feel like, and I'm just going to say it because I can say it, even if you guys can't, I feel like a worldwide technology has a different relationship that is a bit more in bed with the customer, so to speak, in a, in a relationship that becomes really important, it feels like, with a technology set like this. And, and I hope, you I, know, but push back on me if I'm being unfair or, because I don't, oh, it's no, not to disparage anything Cisco does. I, I actually, so I was out at a conference that's running this week, um, and one of the interesting things, someone asked me, what, what do you think your biggest differentiator in this space is? And my response to him was our partners. Um, one thing Cisco has done for years is they've built a very uh, strong, intimate partner community. And with those partner communities, you get to the aspect of they have that intimate knowledge of the client. They know what the client wants. So if we can present them a platform like FSO that they can build upon, that they can tweak, that they can use and make it relevant and more um, custom for that client and what their needs are, the better off it will be for that client. And that, at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to get to is what does the client exactly need? And, it, and it's partners like Worldwide that are our biggest differentiators, empowering them to go out and, and build these custom things for their clients. That's that's what we want to do. And I feel like, because uh, again, this is something I can say, I, I, I think it's if it's not obvious, one of the things I want our audience to understand in this particular show is that it's... I think most people know if they know anything about Worldwide is that they're a very good Cisco partner. They're a very good partner from other manufacturers. And that's one of the reasons you work with Worldwide is because it's not about the manufacturer. It's about it's about the customer and it's about solving the business problems that technology can help with, can enable. Um, in a similar question I want to ask Arsalan though, and Arsalan, I know you're not a salesperson and I, I'm fine with an engineering level answer, but in terms of this right. feeling to customers, like an overwhelming amount of what all these technologies are involved. Some of those I may already have, some of them I may need, but I've got specific fires burning right now. I've got a business that still has to operate. How does, what kind of things do you look at or advise the other professionals you work with to look at? If a, if a customer were to come to you and go, Hey, Cisco has been making noise. Cisco reps talking to me about F. So I understand roughly about it, but what's important? I trust you, Arsalan. How do I get started with this? What, what do you do to lower their temperature, lower their heart rate a bit and make it work? Well, like I have a good example for FSO, right? Like we have a, we have a fast food company that we used in the past that are, that are clients of ours. They reached out to us. They were like, hey, we are, all our, uh, our franchise stores are having problems on the weekend. We can place orders, which is critical for any retail uh, fast food joint, right? Uh, so we looked at that problem. They're like, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to factor the entire application. We're spending X amount of dollars to make sure we fix this. So we, they hired WWT as for this project, specifically for this project. And we looked at uh, all the problems that they had. And then based, they were looking at completely different routes. So based on FSO, based on just App Dynamics and Thousand Eyes, which is part of the FSO, just those two pieces alone, we were able to help them resolve their pro problems a lot faster, eliminate uh, their downtime. They had, turns out, a third-party uh, API was being disconnected. They had network issues going on. Nothing to do with the code related, nothing to do with the application. It was third-party 
you know, as Ben said, because these comp- uh, these applications are getting more complex, they're getting more robust. Uh, there's a lot of uh, external protocols happening to these applications, right? That's 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 exactly what happened in this case. I think one of the biggest things is it's different these days, and Tanner, I'll let you please build on that. But I yeah. do think there's a challenge with the fact that when something is going <clears throat> wrong, it's usually never going to boil down to just one thing going wrong. It's it's a bunch of no, things never. going half wrong uh, or not quite right, and they have a cascade effect that can cause other things to look different. And if you're not tooled in a way that's focused on what's important to you, it feels like you could be off on goose chases. And, and not only did you waste investment getting up to that point, but then you're chasing your tail. But go ahead. Sorry. I don't mean to paint you in a corner. <laughs> No, it was, I, you just made me think of a story where it's still this way. It was this way 20 years ago when I was in the room as a, as an engineer, but you'd sit in these rooms where you're trying to find root cause and everybody would, would look around at each other. I was a software engineer and, and we'd be like, it's not us. It's not, it's definitely not us. I, hope, I really hope God, it's up, yeah. not us. Like, I really, really hope it's not right. So it became this, like, um, I've said this before, like mean time to innocence, Right. The problem there is that we didn't have coordinated context or correlation. Those I cannot overstress that. So I wanted to say this, you know, uh, on a on a to follow on to Arslan's question when a customer comes to us and says, "Hey, this is I trust you." One of the things that Cisco was the coolest with at the beginning, and Ben, you remember this, is when we first started building the reference architecture around all of these spaces, because think about a a data center is a big place to live. There's a lot of stuff in there and there's a lot of frenemies, you know, and concentric tools. And, and I I remember saying, and I've said this to every partner that we brought into this space since that day, is I said, we have to be magnanimous about this. Like we've got to build an architecture that we might pour hundreds of hours into designing, but there may be the moment where everybody gets a seat at the table except for you or except for you, you know, because we have to focus on the customer outcome. We can't just go and take a set of tools and plop them down and say, here you go. Here's your AI ops, you know, sign on the line. It is a very unique and personal relationship based on where they're trying to go. And Cisco from the very beginning was just, you know, Here's everything. We'll build it. We'll we'll sit at the table with people that we compete with. We'll sit at the table with people that are in entirely different spaces than us. The key to getting this here is that there is no sun in this solar system, right? And that is the thing that I hear from a lot of people is they anybody that has a product, a lot of them will come to the table and say, we're the ones that can enable you in AI ops. And I always say, no, you're not. <laughs> we love you, but you're not. You're yeah. not the center. AI ops is not about aggregation. AI ops is about aggregation, correlation, and then redistribution. Because each person, there is no central single pain. There is no one person that decides everything when you're talking about milliseconds or thousands of P1 incidents. You must distribute that and make it more intelligent. And I go back to that very first definition. Our job is to isolate high value decisions. I give people that are monitoring the network the right context and the right data and clarify it, you know, and give them one situation to deal with instead of 50 tickets. That person can make that decision much faster. That person can set a baseline threshold to say, if it is 91% or above for this type of incident, I want to go ahead and automate the four scripts that I had to run to solve the problem. I want to go ahead and expand my cloud instance if I hit 80% in this particular application. So what we're doing is it's this slow, 
symbiotic growth, uh, it's a journey. AI ops is a discipline. It's a journey that your organization goes through to reach a business objective. Full stack observability, the Cisco FSO platform is a catalytic tool that allows us to reach a big part of that core 80-20 objective much more rapidly. And we, as Worldwide, are the organization that can translate, position, and deliver those things. Well, I think it's a major compliment that Cisco has made these changes because whether anyone ever realizes it or not, I know from our early conversations and all the hard work that at least I attribute to you and Arsalon. I know there's others. Uh, there's no way you guys could do all this on your own. But nonetheless, and I attribute – uh, oh, and Ben, yeah, whatever. Yeah, where is he? <laughs> and, uh, um, no, and that's a very good point, though, actually. You've been partnered with Ben uh, probably pre-AppD acquisition, um, I believe. And, you know, and, uh, and, and you guys have been solving this because I remember the way uh, AIOps was developed from your perspective as you were very um, – what's the right – I was going to say pedantic. I don't think that's the right word, though. But you were focused on introducing elements over time. You guys have this incredible um, advanced technology center. You have the ability to build and test things that other – frankly, other partners in Cisco can't even do in many situations. But you were specific about let's look at some network inputs. Let's look at these variables. Let's look at what happens when these actions are in. And then and this is going back in history, right? And then you added security and only after you knew that was stable. And then you're like, are we still stable? Are we still able to do this? Is it having a negative effect? And I think there's a learning that was – none of this was a flash in the pan overnight insight by any means. And now it feels like Cisco's FSO where they've said – this is genius. Let's continue to support this by integrating the technologies that we now understand could work more intelligently together. And Ben, I don't, do you have any examples, Ben, of, of how, well, a few minutes left, but you, you mentioned, I think you were mentioning to me Intersight and kind of some of the changes that were there. Cause I remember when I first looked at Intersight, my, it's years ago, but it was first, I was like, okay, there's a, there, was it a way to manage UCS servers or something, you know, from the cloud. And there's some different small things that I didn't understand what the big picture was. And then it began to be revealed, and I think it's really coming into its uh, coming into a rhythm now. Is that an example that you would cite of some of the intelligent moves that Cisco's made to make this more achievable uh, faster? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you, especially with Intersight, if you look at some of the things they've done, uh, introducing the workload uh, optimizer inside of Intersight, being able to adjust <sighs> workloads uh, across your infrastructure based on application load, uh, especially when you bring in metrics and integrate with AppD, and then things like um, with uh, Terraform. They uh, they just uh, went to market with Terraform to be able to use Intersight now instead of just using Terraform to push things out to the cloud. You can do it in a hybrid environment because as we know as a lot of people are running to the cloud they're not putting everything up there and so that ability to use intersight to push things out with terraform into your data center and cloud at the same time uh, you're really starting to see a lot of these combination of things coming together to fit what those client needs are and it's continually growing i know we just released uh we just announced uh this week at aws reinvent that we've got a new secure cn which is all about securing cloud native Kubernetes. And that's coming about from this too, as, as we get into these conversations with clients. So like, you know, well, what can you do to help me secure this? How, how can you help me secure my application? And so we continue to grow that based on that customer feedback. And honestly, based on feedback from uh, partners like Worldwide who come to us and say, hey, this is really cool, but it'd be nice if we had this. And I know that Tanner, you have those conversations all the time with Cisco leadership about, hey, what's next? Here's what we think. And really, again, that symbiotic relationship of how do we grow this? Is Tanner polite to other Cisco executives? 
I feel like he pushes, I bet he pushes hard. He's like, why, why am I still asking for this one little thing that could really open up this? Don't you people see? Is it, Tanner, are you nice? Are you, are you gentlemanly about I'm the nice. way you do it? I'm nice. I'm nice. I, I think that, I think from the beginning and everybody you've seen on these calls and everybody we've worked with, the reason this has worked is a core tenet of the way that I like to lead my own team. And that's with humility. Everybody's had to, everybody's had to be like, Hey, we do this really well, but we don't do this very well. So we're going to let these other, you know, we're going to take this other team. If you combine this cocktail of humility and the ATC, the ATC has allowed us. I've never worked in technology. I've been here for five years at Worldwide. I have never been in a place ever where I have access to something that is a half billion dollar data center. I can literally just push and push and push and push until we have eliminated risk. We've eliminated time. We've eliminated latency. You know, we, we were able to take and push the envelope on innovation. And the great part is that if you, if you combine, Oh, we just lost that. Arsalan, where was he going with that? Uh, with that, I, I with that ending, he was warming sure up to such a well, he was warming up to such a such a big point, but yeah, he's back quickly either way. Oh, Tanner, you you're warming up really well there. Please continue. <laughs> you with us, Tanner? We lose audio. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. pretty good back. He has to reconnect that audio. Remember, he was fighting with that earlier. Yeah. And we've only got, let's see, about two minutes left. So this is where we pull it all together. <laughs> Tanner, do we have you or no? Uh, it looks like we're, we're suffering with it. All right. I tell you what, guys, this is this coming up to the close. I want to speak to the audience here. One of the things that that uh, that Ben just said, and, and Ben, I'm reminded of what you brought up earlier when we were kind of preparing this information here. But it was this notion that that there is a there's a relationship between Cisco and worldwide technology, where uh, you're both pushing each other. It feels like in terms of of constantly saying, "What if we did this? Could we achieve this? Can we can we?" Stretch a little bit, uh, Cisco, back in my days at Cisco, stretch goals. But could we push a little bit harder? Could we uh, make something better and make it a bit easier? And Tanner went out of his way to let to make sure I understood that the things and the changes that Cisco have done have actually made it so much easier to get to deployable state, to to get to action. And uh, they're still defining objectives in the same way. All the same customer issues still have to be addressed. But Cisco's moves in the FSO side have continued to allow worldwide technology to not have to do as much manual integration, for instance, uh, between these tool sets. But and then we have the audio here. Tanner, give me the final word. What's most important to remember here? The most important thing to remember is that AIOps is a discipline. It's a journey. It's a journey based on objectives. And yes, it is a technical project. At the end of the day, it requires a lot of tools. It requires refactoring of thinking. And it's a it's the trifecta of people, process, and technology. But technology is a massive catalyst in outcome. And the fact that Cisco has been humble and they've partnered with us and worked with us like a number of their partners have, they have come back to the table instead of pushing a product set on us. They've adapted and worked with our client knowledge and experience to create something that's pretty amazing. So. By utilizing Cisco's FSO, WWT can accelerate AI ops for our customers in a much, much faster, much faster way than we've ever been able to. That's perfect. Guys, I want to thank you so much, both for the times that we've done this before and the times I hope we get to do it again, uh, because this does keep changing. It keeps getting better. Um, certain things get easier, but certain goals keep getting pushed down and we have to hit higher and harder. 
But uh, I love what, what Cisco's accomplished here, and I love what Worldwide Technology is able to continue to do with it to make it realistic, to make it actionable as we're focused on, you know, because it's going to be different. It feels like the implementation is always going to be different for every customer, and that's the way it should be. Um, but the only way you're going to get that is with experts that know how to do it. And to our audience, I'm going to have a URL up on the screen in just a moment for more information. I encourage you to go check it out so you can educate yourself further as needed understand what Worldwide is doing in this with Cisco because it's very interesting. You may already have as a customer many of the technologies that may were mentioned here or could have been mentioned here. And the fact is, are you getting the value out of these things in combination with anything new that you're looking at? How well does that match up? Are you hitting your own objectives? Guys, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. We'll return you back to your normal programming. My name is Rob Boyd. You've been watching Tech 37. Guys, enjoy the rest of your day. Take care.